0: Welcome to Misunderstandings of the Mind podcast, the space where we explore common misunderstandings of how life works, allowing us to gain new perspectives on health, wealth, relationships, and much more. Life doesn't have to be hard work. It can be a flowing collection of experiences if we learn some simple truths about how our experience is created. Through this understanding, we realize that at a fundamental level, we are all already whole and perfect. Okay, we're live. Hi, Linda. Welcome to Misunderstandings of the Mind podcast. Nice to see you.
1: Yeah, nice to see you, Jason. Thank you for the invitation.
0: And thanks for agreeing to do this with me. Um, and on the subjects of listening, you know, it was um, when I've got a podcast recording coming up, I'm often reflecting on what the subject is, you know, and um, the more I thought about listening, the more it made sense that, you know, we would have a com- that having a conversation about that was so valuable because when I when I thought back about my own experience, I think it was only the invitation to listen differently, you know, that actually open the door to insight for me. And I, and it was like that. And I think this is probably still true. You could go into a room in a business or in a room full of people or anywhere and say, who thinks they're a great listener? And everyone would put their hand up, you know? And it's like, I, I would have done too, you know, I would have put my hand up thinking I was a great listener. Um, <laughs> not, sure, not sure everyone else would have said that about me, but like, you know, that's kind of what I thought about my listening skills and, um, you know, years of, of traditional psychological training and active listening and kind of thinking that that was what listening was. And, um, and, and that coupled with the idea that I knew everything about change. You know, I, I think that it's probably the two worst combinations that you can have. The idea or the belief that you know everything and the inability to listen. <laughs> you know it's just kind of like you, you probably know it as much as i do but speaking to somebody like that is kind of like there's a brick wall there you know there's just like it's it's really you know i i was like a brick wall nothing could get through to me when i was in that place and i remember when i got that invitation um to listen differently you know can i just switch off that um filter that i've got that kind of assessment of information that i do you know that i listen and i assess it and i decide if it's right or wrong if it's good or if it's bad or if it's got value or i listen to my own dialogue about it or i'm critical or i'm listening waiting to reply as to why i think it's wrong you know one of those one of those things was like the ways that i was listening uh, that that i would listen and i remember um Michael, Michael Neal saying to me, you know, can you just like switch that off, you know, and just listen differently as if like, there's nothing to get here. You're not trying to work it out what it's about and so on and and see what happens. And for whatever reason, in that moment, I I could never put my finger on why, but I just kind of thought, okay, I'll try something different, you know, and and I, I always um, mentioned that experience as you know what I think was the key to me hearing something that that changed my life you know like literally that that important so um that's my starter for listening you know and I'd love to hear from you you know and 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 see what you see what you think about it
1: well you know i I've been a a counselor and then a counseling psychologist um you know just depending on my different degrees of training, master's level and then doctoral, for 38, 39 years. And I've always thought of myself as a professional listener, that that was my internal label for what I did. And I've trained hundreds of counselors. And, and one of the simple exercises I would often do in my counseling classes is, is just to ask people to take three minutes to listen to each other, to introduce each other. But then each party would have the responsibility to introduce the other person to the class. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of forced paying attention, right? Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to introduce this person. i would really better listen. And, and people would talk about how hard that was, how difficult it was because they realized that they weren't good listeners, that, that they, were, that they don't really pay attention. And, and that when we would look at that together, well, why don't you pay attention? It's because they're, we're preoccupied with what we're going to say. Not so much with what the other person is actually saying. We're busy in our own heads and we're not really attending and, and noticing being present in the moment with the person in front of us. I think what you, what you said earlier is kind of universal that anybody who looks in this direction consciously often will discover first and foremost, that they're not, they're not really good listeners Mm. and that, and that it takes presence and noticing to be a good listener. And that's just the first step. And then, and then there were two steps beyond that for me. One is, what are you listening to? What are you listening for? And the first thing that I was taught was that you're listening for feelings. You're listening so that you can empathize. And that's very, very powerful. It's very important. Because without that, people don't feel seen and they don't feel understood. And you know, my husband Bill is often uh, quoted as saying, people don't care what you know until they know that you care, and that's really true. And that's one of the ways we let people know that we care. I've heard you, I've heard your feeling, I've heard where you're at, I've heard what your life is like, I've heard what your inner experience is like. But then when I was introduced to the three principles, I saw something even deeper. And uh, the moment I was listening to a video or not a video, an audio tape that George Pransky did. And he was pointing to something that he called synergistic listening. And he, he defined it as listening with the willingness to be influenced. Listening with the, willingness to be influenced and I I went oh wow that's new that's different that's fresh listening so deeply that that you you are listening with real receptivity that what this person has to say is could potentially be life-changing for me could really change my mind could really help me see something deeper and something new that was like a quantum leap forward too for me, and then there was one more step, but i 'll stop there before I talk about that and see if you want to pick up
0: yeah, I can uh, when you said that you know listening with the willingness to be influenced, you know it 's kind of like I just thought, wow, you know that's kind of uh, that's like the you know when I said about the two things, one is the one was the thought that I knew everything, and two was the you know the um the inability to listen you know it's kind of like i guess that sort of deals with both of those you know like to have the willingness to be influenced i have to let go of the idea that i know everything about change yeah uh, and and that was that was a you know like looking back at it that was just like a a projected image of myself because I was so insecure you know and really I wasn't happy but I still wanted to <laughs> appear like I knew everything about how change work and I could hang in any conversation about about theoretical you know psycho psychological theories and sort of and talk about Rogers and Byrne and Jung and and Freud and all the stuff you know and anyone that and it was like I really prided myself on sort of you know being able to debate that with anyone but like that you know listening with with the willingness to be influenced had meant that i had to sort of relax or let go of that you know and just be open to something new and i think that that's one of the reasons that I, when I was reflecting on this conversation, I thought that's what's so important about this. You know, like not only listening but knowing. You know, like not listening with with that willingness to hear something new or something different that I don't know. And 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 one more thing on that for me was that that short little statement that I'd known for a long time but had never really impacted me was that I don't know what I don't know. You know, and it was kind of like it can kind of be like a throwaway common if it's understood on an intellectual level but if you really consider the vastness of what that could mean you know it's kind of like something that you can't really put words to you know I don't know what I don't know that means that there could be any amount of attempts to try and define that you know really always falls short because there's such a you know an infinite amount of things understanding about myself and about you know whatever, whatever's going on in the world that I don't know yet, you know, and it's kind of when I'm willing to, to listen in that way, it opens me up to a, to a whole new host of possibilities, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah, And, and you know, that, that there's a depth behind that willingness to be influenced that I discovered actually, Before I came across the principles and I couldn't have, but I couldn't have told you, I couldn't have used words to describe it. And George handed me those words, but I'd like to tell this little story because it's very powerful. Uh, And I'm going to change some of the details because I want to protect the client's confidentiality. Mm. This happened like 20 some years ago, but it was riveting for me. It was life changing for me. I, I was asked to do therapy as a young doctoral intern with a man who was catatonic if the listeners might not know what catatonia is it's a it's it's like a, a, a frozenness person who's catatonic can't speak uh, often can't move properly um, is is like mute is is like not available frozen paralyzed and so I'm asked to do therapy, talk therapy, with someone who's not talking. Mm. And I and I I said to my supervisor when he assigned me to the case, I said, "Well, how do you do this? How do you do therapy with someone who is paralyzed and not available to you?" And he's he kind of chuckled and he said, "Linda, you're a good clinician. I think you're going to figure this out." So I went and I sat with this person for. Um, I don't know, two or three sessions, and I would talk, and then I would be silent, and I would talk, and I would be silent, and I'd think, well, maybe he's listening, and, but it just felt useless to me. And finally, the, I think the third time I went and I sat with him, and I, I thought, I'm just, I'm just gonna sit here for a minute and see if I see anything about how to communicate with someone who's not talking. And I looked at him and I thought, you know, what is he doing? In what way is he communicating with me? And it suddenly occurred to me that he was breathing. And I thought, that's interesting. I'm going to breathe with him. That's one thing I can do. I can breathe with him. And I I told him, I said, call him Frank. I said, Frank. going to get a little close to you. I'm going to be over to your side. I'm not going to be directly in front of you, but I'm going to get a little bit close to you so I can really see how you're breathing because I can't see it from the place that I'm sitting right now, and I want to just breathe with you, And, and so I got to where I could kind of just look at his shirt, and I could see his chest rising and falling underneath his shirt, and I started to match his breathing, and it was it was interesting because it was hard. He was breathing kind of fast and he was breathing kind of shallowly. And, and so as I breathed with him, this went on for a while, I suddenly started to feel like a, an incredible level of dread and heaviness and anxiety. And I, I felt like I was suffocating. And I thought, holy crap. Oh, what is going on with me? This feeling is not comfortable. And all of a sudden I thought, Oh, I'm experiencing what he's experiencing. And and so I was letting that influence me. And I sat with it. And it was not an easy place to be. And out of the blue, Jason, this was the most incredible thing. I found myself talking without thinking. And I said, Frank, I am just feeling this incredible heaviness and this incredible dread. And and it is such a burden that I can almost not breathe. And, and it's hard. And I said, I can't imagine what it's been like for you if you've been living with this for days and days on end. So I'm going to ask you to give it to me and just hand it over. I'm willing to carry it for you. And I'm going to go into the chapel tonight and I'm going to lay this burden at the feet of Jesus and, and pray over it. Now, I am not a terribly religious person. I had never intervened with anyone that way. In fact, I had been taught that you keep religion out of therapy. I do not know where that came from. I, had not, I do know where it came from. But I did not know that this person was deeply religious I did not know about his religious upbringing that just came bursting forth out of me. And then afterwards I thought what have I done? I have blurred the boundaries of psychotherapy and spirituality and I'm going to pay for this. I'm I you know that I'm going to have trouble with this. My supervisor is really going to give me grief for it. But I had made a promise Jason. So I called my my late husband, and I, he died a number of years later, and I said, Jim, um, I promised this client something, I need to do this tonight, I'm not gonna be home. And Jim said, okay, but I'm a little worried about you going to work tomorrow morning without some sleep, so take care of yourself. So I went to the chapel and I prayed all night for this man. The next morning I walk into the unit, the psychiatric unit where he was, and a nurse greets me in the nursing station and she says, what did you do to Frank? And my first thought was, holy crap, did he commit suicide? And she said, no, no, he came out of, uh, he came out of your session, when the orderlies took him back to his room, he woke up out of his catatonia, he asked to eat because he was really hungry, he slept like a baby last night, he hasn't been able to sleep without getting loads of medication, And he's up awake in the day room waiting for you. And so I went into the day room, and there he was. And I took him into our our therapy room. and and, And I said, you know, Frank, what's up? And he said, did you do it? I said, did I do what? Did you do what you said you were going to do? Did you take my pain and my burden and lay it at the feet of Jesus? And I said, I absolutely did. I spent all night in the chapel last night. And he said, he started to cry and he said, I knew you would and I don't think anyone in my life has ever cared enough about me to do something like that. And then I said, what, what do you want out of this experience of being in the hospital? What had landed him there was a suicide attempt, a very serious suicide attempt. I said, what what do you want? And he said, well, you know, every time I come into these places, they want me to talk about my past. He had had an incredibly, incredibly traumatic childhood, the kind of thing that most of us, even those who've had some kind of childhood trauma, could hardly imagine. And he said, every time I come in here, they want me to talk about that, but that just makes me feel bad and more hopeless. Really, Linda? I want three things. I said, Frank, what do you want? He said, I want me a set of teeth. He had no teeth. No one had ever cared for him in his dental health, and so he'd lost his teeth very young. I want me a set of teeth. I want to learn me to read. He had never been to school. He had never learned to read. And I want someone who can help me learn to read the holy book, the Bible. And so I found a dentist who made him a set of teeth free. Uh, I got him linked up with a literacy tutor and it was beneficial and, and serendipitous that the literacy tutor was a priest, a minister and the The literacy tutor helped helped him with reading and and said he would help him learn how to read the holy book so that was the last I saw him. It was a very short intervention and Until about six months later, I was in an out county where I was working, doing a rotation through a a very rural community center, and in walked Frank with uh, uh, a man who was his literacy tutor, and he was so excited to see me, and he said, um, Dr. Sandell, Dr. Sandell, that was my maiden name, "Uh, can I show you what I can do? And I said sure, and we walked into a room, and he opened to a passage in the Bible, and he read a psalm to me—the the one about the um, shepherd who leadeth us. And he was so thrilled. He was so thrilled, and he and he went on to, uh, you know, do whatever happened in his life. That was the last time I saw him. But that taught me so many things. It taught me, it taught, it taught me, although I didn't have language it at the time, how how deep and important it can be to listen to someone with the willingness to be influenced. That as I was willing to be influenced by him and his breathing, uh, it opened up a level of communication that is available to us as human beings that we often don't know about. It's It's both a deep kind of empathy and something beyond that. I think of it as spiritual resonance. That there is a oneness that connects us, that when we're willing to sit in the silence, that oneness manifests and shows itself in a lot of different ways. In that case, I got a feeling and I got images about taking taking his pain to the feet of Jesus. Images that were somewhat foreign to me, but that made a great deal of sense to him and were meaningful to him. And that was a really life-changing experience, and I really expected my supervisor to give me a lot of grief about that. What? You said what to him? You did what? You intervened how? But he didn't. He kind of looked at me over his nose and his glasses, and he said, "Hmm, I knew you were going to figure it out. And I thought that was very, very beautiful. And I've come to trust that. And when I found the principles, it gave me an understanding of that, a logic for that. That we are connected. We are not separate. We're always communicating across that oneness. And that in that communication, uh, we can often find ways to be very helpful to each other.
0: Yeah, it's it's um it's a fascinating story, isn't it? Because there's there's so much like <clears throat> like letting go of knowing what we're listening for. You know, yeah. is kind of the interesting part. You know, for me, and 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 then I don't know if it's learning to trust, but but it seems like that. You know, those are the words that come to me. What comes through us, even if it doesn't fit with our you know, the words that we currently have in our understand in our intellectual understanding of how, whatever process we're in really should work, but like just trusting that intuitive um, knowing about what somebody needs in the moment. And um, that's so, can be so alien, you know, it's kind of like, I think at first, you know, just to sort of respond, uh, I mean, in, in its simplest form, um, show up and respond to what shows up, you know, just literally, you know, whatever feels right in the moment without a script and an idea about how it should work. I guess that's, I mean, you answered the questions I was going to ask you about <laughs> what, what, what What did you make of that? You know, when you were talking at the start about um, that feeling his feelings, you know, I was kind of thinking, well, what do you make of that, that, the fact that, you know, we are all just one and that, you know, we're all experiencing our a form of awareness you know it's kind of like so you when you're that connected to somebody you know in the moment that you both get to experience the same thing because I remember in and you probably know this that in um psychotherapy training they talked about that as attunement like when you feel someone else's feelings you know it's kind of like you should check out if they're feeling a certain way because sometimes but there was never any more depth to it. There was no talk of oneness or, or, or of us all being part of the same thing or any sort of spiritual connotation to that. It was literally just a, that if somebody in the room, if you get a feeling and it's not yours, you know, if you started feeling anxious when you're with a client and you weren't anxious, you should check that out with the other person because we can feel other people's feelings. But I never connected the dots with that in my own mind. I didn't think that that was some sort of, um, you know, the, the fact that we're all, we're all, awareness, you know, having an experience of being human. I, I didn't, I never saw it in that way, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I think of it as we're wired for oneness. You know, that's, that's why we have mirror neurons and other, other sorts of, of, you know, neurochemical sorts of structures that, that allow us to apprehend the experience and feeling of another person. And that was part of what was happening there, but the the deeper, the deeper thing that came through about taking his burden to the feet of Jesus. That was beyond that for me. That was that was at, because when I felt that, I felt like a, you know, there's a French word. It's prison. It's a, it's a word that's used to describe sort of an electrical thrill or an electrical charge, an electrical energy that runs through the body. And I felt that. I felt this sort of like, wow, you know, there, there's, a, there's something here. There's something that's right about saying this. It was, like, it, was, it was so quick, I couldn't even separate the thought from the feeling. It was just like, go with this. Trust it. And I felt a great deal of comfort as I said it. A great deal of settledness, of quietness. This is the right thing to do. And so I went with it without thinking very much about it, if if at all. Well, I'm going to take your burden to the feet of Jesus, and I'm going to lay it there. And then afterwards, I was like, you know, they had this moment of like, holy crap, what did I do? Where did that come from? Uh, and yet I trusted it enough to go with it and actually follow through and do it. And, it, you know, it, was, it communicated powerfully to him that um, because it was speaking in a language he understood. And, and it was precisely what he needed to feel cared for and, and to feel like he could even say to me, I'm not interested in going back into my past and rehashing what is over This is what I need right now. And he knew what he needed. Mm. And and when I moved in and said, I get it. I'm gonna support that 100%. We're gonna get those things done for you. The The feeling of care and empathy and understanding, understanding tenderness and understanding that came through that for him was really was really life-changing for him. I have, There's more to the story but but he really went on to have a decent experience of life from that point and and it was it was a very beautiful experience for me. So fast forwarding I learned about this three principles understanding And I hear George Pransky saying that we're listening with the willingness to be influenced. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's what happened there. I just really listened with the willingness to be influenced. And in that place of openness, in that place of understanding, in that place of humility, in that place of a silent mind, just I'm willing to take this in. Something really beautiful and really powerful happened. And I I learned from that to really trust that. You're right. You said that earlier. Just really Trusting that if I show up and I'm listening, truly trusting that we are one, knowing that we are one, and, and that we're communicating on all kinds of different levels, then I will absolutely see things, hear things, know things, sometimes that I can't explain with my rational mind that can be very useful uh, in, in sharing with people and helping them.
0: yeah i I was just thinking like for people listening you know we've kind of like we've talked about maybe you know what the coach's experience or the therapist' experience might be with listening, and you know I think what I touched on earlier was what my experience as a client was you know in sort of allowing something to listen and that and and I think that there's such a tendency to try and want to know how this works you know like uh, work it out you know if i could just work it out and uh, exactly what it is they're talking about this listening but there's i guess there's certain things that we're talking about that um words really fall short to explain probably that they're only really a um a known experience you know a direct experience of something that you've had that you can't really work out and you can't get it and you can't practice it just right because it's it's not possible to do that but it's something that once you've experienced or you felt being on the felt you know and been on the end of or been on the giving of you know part been part of that process with someone then you can try and put words to it and, and make an explanation I guess as we're as we're trying to do you know and i think i just wanted to clarify that i guess for anyone listening that there's no real three steps to listening you know or, or something like that or or no correct way of doing it because like you shared you know it's like you probably never would have guessed that experience you know it's something that came to you in the moment and you just trusted the way to go with it and um and it could be i mean that I guess that maybe to you even might have been an out of the blue sort of not a regular occurrence, should I say, you know. Um, so <laughs> so be be prepared, you know, for what come what comes to you. I guess is what I'm saying. And 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 um, you know, it's not always logical, and it's not always explainable in words, and doesn't always make sense. But it's really just trusting that you know what comes to you in the moment. I think when, like you said, when you've got a clear mind, when you're just there present with another person you know and you 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 have um that intuitive knowing that inclination to you know of where to go with it I guess and, and that's kind of um I think this is a great conversation you know, for anyone who's kind of wants to know more about the three principles or wants to listen more wants to have an experience or is working with a coach or wants to be a coach you know in any way because um like I said earlier you know this is one of the um, well, this is the key thing to me, to being able to hear something different, you know?
1: Yeah. I, um, I think where I I feel and sense what you're pointing to, that you never know what's going to come out of listening. Uh, I, I experienced that most clearly with my three-and-a-half-year-old grandson. He spends at least two sometimes three days a week with us for six hours and he has a wonderful home life wonderful parents beautiful safe loving gentle tender environment and yet when he when he's at grammy's and grampy's he gets an opportunity to be the king of a castle right (laughs) there's no competition with his little brother or anyone else you know we just sort of dote on him which is wonderful but when he has to go home transition to home he there's often like a moment in there, a couple moments where it's tough. And and I've just really seen that if I listen in those moments, different things will come to me to do. Sometimes it's do this, sometimes it's do that, sometimes it's do this. Um, but I inevitably find something that helps me make the transition easier for him without it ever becoming unkind or even firm. You know, just just gentle, just gentle and tender. And I love that, I know to do that, to just get quiet and go to the silence. And, and I've heard people say to me, yes, but I don't have time as a parent to do that. And that's a misunderstanding because the idea it, that, that people have is that somehow just getting silent and, and, and being still for a second will take time. In fact, that collapses time. It makes, it makes the transition shorter because I see with some kind of clarity, what to do to move it along. So instead of, you know, 20 minutes of distress, there might be a minute or two of distress, and then a gentle transition to the car so that we can get, you know, him home to mama and papa and his brother. Uh, So listening in stillness is, is, is very efficient. And it's very effective. But it's, it's just listening deeper. I think of it as just listening to love. You know, what, what is love sharing in this moment? Looking for the love and commenting on it, noticing it, moving from it, moving from it tenderly. The other day, Luke was, Luke, my grandson was here and, and uh, he, 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 put his little arms across his chest when I, and I told him, you know, we need to be gearing up to go home and it's going to be five minutes and three minutes and then one minute and put his little arms around his chest, but I don't want to go home. <laughs> and I, I sat across from him and I put my arms around my chest and I said, you know, there's a part of me that doesn't want you to go home either because we've had such fun together, such fun together. When you're not here, I miss you so much and i just sat there with him after saying that for another maybe 30 seconds and then he popped up and he said it's time to go home grammy time to go see <laughs> you know, it's just just that little moment of meeting and understanding loving and understanding you know just moved us forward He, I think he felt seen, I think he felt understood, he didn't feel rushed, he didn't feel hurried, he felt my love, he felt my understanding, and, and naturally a process, a wisdom was released in him that moved him forward in that moment and, and moved us forward in that moment. I remember, Jason, this time, this was really funny. Bill and I were, we had been asked to speak to a group of 200 helping professionals uh, and they had, they were very skeptical about this three principles understanding. And they um, they asked if they could give us a client to work with in front of them, and we said yes. And they picked a client who I think was probably the client who they found most difficult. And he was a difficult person. He he got up there and and he it almost seemed like he had an agenda that he was going to show us that there was nothing that we could do to help him so bill went first and he had 45 minutes with him and and my heart was just going out to bill because uh the 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 gentleman was actually a little combative and wouldn't you know wouldn't respond in any way positively to bill but but as i was listening so i had the advantage of being off the stage listening there was and i'm listening for wisdom i'm listening for how is love coming through this man how is love changing his experience? How how is how is love showing up in his life? How does he show love? And there was only one little moment, and it was probably no more than three seconds, where I think Bill had asked him something about how do you spend your day? And he talked about, well, and I feed my dog. And I thought, there it is. There's the love. And so when I got on the stage, I kind of went to that. I said, tell me, tell me, tell me about your relationship with your dog. And it was like, and, and and I, you know, sort of had to ask a few questions about it, but I watched his face change in front of my eyes. It got soft, it got gentle, you know, the tension went out of it. And within a very short time, we were having this beautiful conversation about his relationship with his dog and in that moment in that moment of describing this love he felt for this for this little animal uh, all of all of the anger all of the exasperation all of the combativeness just disappeared and we connected as two human beings who experience love and, and it was a really powerful opening for me to begin at the, toward the end to share a little bit about what the three principles understanding pointed to. Well, in my early clinical career, before I saw the principles, I would not have known to listen so closely to how love is coming through life and, and to have, I don't know that I would have had the degree of faith that I now have, that it's always there. It's always showing itself. And, and that if I'm aware of that and I'm noticing that, I'll see it. I'll find a way to connect and, and maybe enjoy the experience of insight happening in the moment for myself and for the person I'm with.
0: would you you, I'm curious would you say again I'm trying to think from people listening you know to get the Mm -hmm. most out of this would you say that you're listening for love coming through people you know I I I was kind of thinking that you know about the process of listening particularly if someone gets caught up in their thinking about it you know making it worse you know how to listen and I think one thing that I realized or was taught or learned I don't know but it was just about noticing when I'm trying to work it out you know is what stops me from trying to work it out so all I have to do is really notice there's nothing to work out beyond that I'm just doing the noticing but I'm curious about um, you know maybe when you were saying about just sort of being present and seeing what comes through but listening for love as well you know is that kind of more what you would say you was doing as a teacher or as a coach rather than being as a client?
1: I'm not sure that I understand the question.
0: Yeah, yeah, I didn't I don't think I worded it very well. Um, <laughs> I, guess, I guess what I'm point, what I'm getting at is are you when you're really listening to somebody are you listening for something or are you just completely open to whatever you notice, I guess?
1: I am listening for something. I realize that people look at this differently, but I was deeply impacted by Sydney Banks uh, saying that that there is a deep beautiful feeling behind love life there's a deep beautiful feeling behind life and and part of what I part of what I did because when I when I heard about the three principles for two years I was I was looking at the understanding but I wasn't sharing it I was determined not to share it until I really could say it made sense of my experience. And so for two years, I was kind of doing these inner experiments and I would like, wow, you know, when I drop my thinking, I drop my personal thinking, there's always this beautiful experience. There's this knowing, there's this certainty, there's this beautiful thing that the best word I could find to describe it was love. Uh, and, you know, there, the man who shared the three principles understanding, Sidney Banks, you know, he died of cancer 10, 10 or so years ago. The, the last time I saw him before he died, he was very sick and, and he very looked very frail. But when he got up on the stage to share about these three principles and his understanding and how he'd come to it, there was a power to it. He just like, like the life force was just coming through him. And at one point, a teacher of the three principles who had taught this understanding in prisons, the most difficult prisons on the West Coast that you could imagine, stood up and she said just to Mr. Banks, she said, You know, you know how much I love you, Sid, you know how much this understanding is meant to me. But I gotta ask you this question, why are we here? Why are we here? What's the purpose of life? And Sid got really tearful and, and he said very quietly, we're here for one reason alone. We're here to know and be love. And so yes, when I'm sitting and listening, I am listening for how love is coming through uh, everyone. And because it's what we're made of, I should be able to see it. That's the source. And most of us don't even realize it's coming through. Many of us don't even realize it's coming through. When I was doing more clinical work, so the people who were coming into me knew nothing about the three principles, even before I said anything to them about the three principles, I would listen to their stories and I would say, so this is what I heard. I would, This is, what, this is why you're consulting me. This is what you're experiencing. Yes, 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 yes. And then I would say, and there's something else I've heard. I've heard something about how wisdom comes through your life, about love comes through your life. And I would share that with them. I would say, here's how you showed up to me as a wise and loving person. And the most common thing to happen, it happened almost always, this person would start to tear up and they'd get little trickles, or moisture at least in their eyes, and they say, I told you that? I told you that? They were completely unconscious of it. It just weren't even, wasn't even in their noticing. They were so noticing on what, what wasn't that they were not noticing what was. And bringing that to the level of consciousness, the noticing it would often cause kind of some puzzlement and curiosity and a little bit of openness to take a look at this understanding and where it pointed I don't know, I don't know about you, but I know that I grew up in my life more focused on everything that wasn't right and what wasn't rather than everything that was good and what was and and shifting shifting looking for that love and wisdom in life really has made a huge difference to my experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Me, everything was, well, I couldn't, I couldn't look at anything else in my life because it looked like life was a problem to be solved, you know, like day in, day out, that there was no space, you know, to see, um, to even allow any thoughts of anything other than, you know, what I had to do to get out of the problems or how I was going to solve the the dilemma that I was in or, or anywhere. So it is, it does seem like a complete, 360 in that respect you know of kind of looking in completely the opposite direction and i guess as a coach or as a therapist or a trainer or whatever it's it's the um again we're looking in the opposite direction to what we used to you know it's kind of like oh here are the problems let's work them out together and let's give you some techniques and ways of coping and so on to really looking at how you know, where's the mental health? You know, where's the mental health? Shining free, I guess, is another way of saying the same thing as what, as what as what you're saying. You know, and um, and then pointing them back to that. You know, and and I know we're coming towards an end, but I was kind of thinking that, you know. <clears throat> It's such an important subject i just can't really sort of emphasizing words that enough you know as 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 a client or someone who wants to change or someone who's struggling with something and wants to hear something new listening is the key you know listening you know with no ideas about what you might hear listening as you said with the willingness to be influenced you know is is, is the absolute key to hearing something different and having an insight and a change in perspective and as a coach or a teacher as a therapist, you know, like it just puts you in a completely different um, position to be able to help people, you know, that listening, you know, in the same way like you said, you know, the willingness to be influenced and sort of and showing up and just seeing what happens, you know. So I've really enjoyed the conversation. I think it's been awesome. And it's there's so much um, insightful stuff in there and some great stories with with some um, you know, really important points. So is there anything is there any way you'd like to, anything you'd like to mention to end, anything you wanna, that we haven't covered?
1: Yeah, you know, just, just to sort of piggyback off what you said, I think if you're out there and you're listening and you're someone who would love to see something new, I think what Jason just said about, you know, coming into to, to looking at this understanding with the willingness to be influenced is really important. And also finding someone who will really listen to you, not, not just to your story and your feelings, but to the health in you who can really hear that and, and help you see it. And, and just in general, I think for all of us, I think we really underrate the incredible power of listening to each other and to our children, and to our coworkers, and that, that we don't see listening for the power that it is and how life-changing it can be.
0: Yeah. And you've just, you've just made me think of one other thing. Like when, whenever I'm asked, you know, what was the most impacting thing for me as somebody um, coming into this understanding, it was that someone else could see the health in me beyond what I could see in myself, you know? And, and that's kind of like, I guess a reflection of the flip side of what you were saying, you know, like how, how did I experience that as a client, you know, and, and, and that's my story every time when someone says, what was the most impacting thing? And I will always say that it's that someone else could see in me what I couldn't see in myself. And it still gives me goosebumps, you know, to talk about it. The fact that I knew like 100%, not even 99, but 100% that that belief in that health in me never faltered. It didn't go away. It, I couldn't wobble it with my stories. I couldn't make something up that made them go, oh yeah, maybe Jason is... Too bad to change. You know, maybe he really is that messed up. Maybe he's had that many years of whatever he's been doing that he's just over the line. That this won't. I never had that. It was always that, like, I had this sense that they knew something about me that I didn't know, and and I think that that's what you're saying. You know, it's kind of like when you look for that and you see that in someone else that it has the biggest impact on them that you know in my experience was life-changing you know that was the thing that i kept going back to what is it that they can see in me that i can't see what is it they seem to know something about me you know and i think that that's um such a powerful um thing to notice you know
1: yeah i couldn't have said that any better it's a beautiful
0: ending yeah right thank you very much linda i really appreciate your time thank you
1: thank you jason take